What's up, everybody? Prince here, also known as Head Knight. And I'm actually going to be doing something new for each month. Uh, this is honestly to show our appreciation for all of you who have been supporting us um, throughout this time. Uh, mainly, this is more specific to our patrons over at Patreon. We will be shouting out our new patrons every month, and including our old patrons as well. To be honest, it would be a constant flow unless the flow gets way too overwhelming. But I wanted to give a big, big shout out and thank you to Candice, Randy, Jesse, Rio, Joseph, Desiree, Chantel, Jess, Les, Kaylee, and Joe. Thank you all so much for choosing to support this show. It means an absolute bunch to us and i can't not thank you all enough well everybody thank you again and enjoy nightlight a horror movie podcast welcome to nightlight a horror movie podcast i'm one of your hosts freddie also known as nighty night and alongside me we have prince what's up everybody also known as Head Knight. And on the other side of the web, we have David. Spoopy boys, or are we? I don't know. Can I trust you guys? <laughs> <laughs> also, Touch his blood! Also known as Knightly. And we are a group of knights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This podcast, um, <laughs> this is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down and discuss the ultimate question, why horror? So hit the lights, sit back, and let the darkness envelope you. Also, you can support us on the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife. And that's night with a what? K. By pledging on Patreon, you will have access to our show as early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. A new episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. Now, I just want to introduce our new month, which is Creature Feature Month, starting with one of my all-time favorite films, The Thing. Oh, shit. Oh yeah, but I thought guys, this would be a, oh, shit. I, I I don't know how I knew Freddie. Maybe just from what I've seen on social media. But I was like, I think this is Freddie's like one of Freddie's favorite movies. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> what I was thinking there. the whole time. For like when I was horror this. films in general, I have like a top three. This is definitely my top three all time favorite horror films of all time. And rewatching it, uh, I mean, let's get to the first question. First and foremost, thoughts, guys. <laughs> how do you guys? Friends, can I leave this one? Go for Can it. I leave this? It. All right. Please. So this is my first time watching the thing. I've always <gasps> known. I've always known of this movie because of the name, right? Um, but I knew nothing about it. That's amazing. Uh, I wish yeah, I could live so, that again. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I mean, of course, um, I have to take it for what it is. It is an '80s film, and you know, sure, it, it got some there, cheese in there. Yeah, some sound <laughs> design, some uh, practical effects, a little, a little cheesy, uh, but. If I'm taking it for what it is and, you know, it's a film, I try to look at it through the film, the lens of a, a moviegoer in the 80s. Um, it was pretty fun. It, at first, when I was watching it, it, I, it was kind of like a roller coaster for me. I was like, ooh, I'm into this. And I'm like, Ugh, I don't know if I'm into this. And then I'm like, oh, wait, I see what they're doing here. I'm into this. Mm -hmm. And it was flippy floppy for me, right? I feel like if I were to watch this a second time, I would enjoy it so much more. But I really appreciate what it was doing the first time around watching this at first mm -hmm. I had moments where I was like, man, I would really love to see people get captured. I want to see this creature and what it's doing to, to these men, right. in this facility. And of course you do see that here and there, but there are moments that 
someone someone gets absorbed and you don't know who, but I realize that's the, the strength of the movie. You're right. just right. like our our members in the facility. They don't know who's been turned. And you as a viewer are supposed to be a little confused of all of a sudden someone being the thing, one of these things. And around maybe a third into the movie, I was like, oh, that's what they're doing. And that's smart, right? Because in the 80s, people probably had a ton of fun thinking like, well, who is it now? And everyone has their suspicions <laughs> while they're watching the movie. And even the movie itself at moments plays with you a little bit with cuts. You'll see one person in a position, it cuts, goes back to that same scene, but it's a different person. And I was like, wait, did they just do that? <laughs> and I actually really enjoyed that. Hell yeah. Right. I fucking love this movie. I've always been a fan of the thing. Um, and this is actually a remake. Which a lot of people True. don't know. I mean, I didn't know but that. But this is a remake from 1951, The Thing from Another World. Mm. And initially in The Thing from Another World, which I've, I have seen, and I actually love The Thing from Another World. Not not more than this because it's not as fun, I guess. But um, The Thing from Another World is initially, you never see it. And it kind of takes over these hosts and things like that. And John Carpenter wanted to make something where it's just like, well, well like, fuck, if I make this, like... I want to I want people to be able to see the monster. I want people people to be able to uh kind of get this visceral reaction from the monster and you get all this insane I mean it's gross but it's beautiful body horror that you're seeing from this and the body horror is what makes this movie 10 times just so cool. Right. And the fact that they have these particular effects that go on within this movie. It just makes blows your fucking mind that they had this stuff in the seventies and eighties in general. Because even though, yeah, it's some cheese, this is still animatronics. This is makeup yeah. and animatronics. Like this is no CG. Like the only CG you got was in the beginning, right? Like I mean, the, it, it was some stuff in the, towards the end, but still, like y- this was just probably one of the coolest fucking things that you can do at this time and it just to me it still looks really good like this just looks phenomenal and i absolutely adore this movie so 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 much and um when i was re-watching it recently i was just like oh man like i i'm really like just just reminiscing a little bit of like the first time I watched this and I was super stoked to watch it. And the first time I actually heard of the thing, uh, was actually from a cartoon and I, I'm not, you guys, I'm not too sure if you guys are familiar with the Canadian cartoon, Martin mystery. No, I am not. Never heard of it? that. No. Oh man. It, it used to be my favorite cartoon when I was growing up as a kid. And, um, Martin mystery is initially about this dude who uh, is with his cousin, Diana or sister or whatever, and their friend Java. And initially they work for a company that is like their secret agents, but they only investigate paranormal shit. And it is so, so legit. And like the way that um, there is, I think it's both in French and in English, but both are actually really good. Um, But initially, they had an episode called, uh, let me get the name right. It was season two, episode nine, I think. But let me let me get that right. Give me one second to find that. Do, 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 do. Um, yep, season two, episode nine. Um, and the episode was called The Body Swapper. And initially, it was the thing. 
they were in Antarctica. They were meeting up with this guy who his name was very, very close to Martin. It was Marvin. <laughs> <laughs> and initially, the whole thing was about this thing getting attached to you and you became the host and you became this kind of dark black creature and it would transition into where you both were standing there so initially it, it was so 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 well done and that was the first time i heard of the thing and and initially my grandma came into the room when i was watching it and she's like oh this reminds me of the thing and i was like the thing what's that she's like you've never heard of the thing no i've never heard of the thing she showed me the thing, and that was the first time I watched the thing. Was with my grandmother after watching Martin yeah. Mystery. <laughs> man, that's crazy. A cartoon. That's sick. Yeah, man. So it, it made me think of that particular moment, and honestly, I'm, I'm gonna say it right here, Martin Mystery. Like, if you are really trying to get like your kids into um, paranormal or horror or anything like that, start with Martin Mystery. Martin Mystery is a beautiful blend of both funny and scary and it's still kind of unknown so your kid will be really cool because they get to talk about shit that no one really knows about <laughs> yeah, I, like I like that, that. it's a good recommendation um, i might even start go, watching it going you should they're they're all on youtube they're all available on youtube oh that's awesome hey going mm-hmm. back on the um you know the the effects that you're talking about i was thinking that dude this um this monster design is really cool for its time because I'm sure, you know, people weren't as exposed to a lot of monster designs. I mean, or I mean, at this point, this is where it's starting to ramp up. Right. Um, but to this, like, well, even you had, though you had things like the brood and, and stuff right. like that, but yeah, like the fly started coming around this mm-hmm. time. So yeah, you, you started getting a lot more body horror. Cause I think a year after this video drum came out and that's when you really started seeing like, Oh fuck. Like video drum was pretty gnarly when it came to their like body horror effects. Yeah, and when it comes to this, what the point I want to make is like to us, like you know, what about almost around thirty years later, it may mm-hmm. seem a little cheesy to someone that may watch it today, but like back then, I bet it right. was gruesome and just gross and creepy to watch. And it, I'm sure it left a lot of people thinking about it after they left like the theater or watching it on tape or something, you know. And that's what I really like. Um, right. Also, watching this for the first time, you know, in 2020. Um, I was watching it with Bella and I was like, oh, I see where Stranger Things got their Demi Gorgon inspiration from. Right. You know? Ah, yeah. There you go, baby boy. I'm sure. All of season three was inspired by the thing. Yeah. Hell yeah. It makes perfect sense. I mean, yeah, David, you said it before. You found me out. I definitely love and adore this movie. <laughs> uh, this is close to being 40 years old. Two more years and it's 40 years old. It's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. I said and 30. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. And like Prince, you were saying, the body horror is freaking fantastic. It's all like well done, well crafted, super creative. I've never seen anything like this, even until now, where they actually go right. as far as well, we'll talk about it later, how the actual creature looks and kind of morphs and just oh it's it's crazy. It's great. And the whole <laughs> movie is a it's a guessing game for the viewer. It's like, you don't know exactly. what's really right. going on. It's like from the start. And we'll talk about the start too, about like, why is the, this dog just randomly out in the Antarctica running from a guy who's trying to shoot it? Who's who? What's about to happen? <laughs> it, it's great. There's a great sense of suspense in this movie and it keeps that tension throughout the entire watch time. And you're just surprised in every corner because they go a certain direction. They even hint that someone's one of the creatures, but it doesn't turn out to be that person. Uh, it's really good. I-, I love this movie. John Carpenter. 
did a great job with this. And I do like the the score of this movie as well. I think the music was really Fuck yeah. iconic and stuff like Dude, that. Dude, it's just that doom doom. Yeah. Right. It's doom, simple doom. enough. Like that shit is but just you remember Oh it. my god. So I was listening just, I was listening it. to it with my home pod and my home pod's like Hell behind yeah. oh, me, man. so I was feeling it. Hell yeah. Get some yeah. chills. Oh man. It reminds me of how uh, Mike Flanagan kind of added those deep bass right. in inside of like Doctor Sleep and shit, oh. and I was just like, "This is just fucking awesome!" Like, I I love 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 this score. It's one of my favorite scores from from Carpenter. Um, besides the Fog, I actually really like the Fog too. But um, yeah, it's it's man, god damn it, Freddie. Take us into this shit. <laughs> I want to talk about this movie so, more. The movie, The Thing, directed by John Carpenter, was released June 25th, 1982. Runtime of one hour, 49 minutes. Budget of $15 million. And it only got a box office of $19 million. It okay. also has a score of 84% on Rotten Tomatoes. Cool. Hmm. So, of course, we open to the title, Universal Picture. The titles continue with no music until we see some stars and we hear the magical score. We get the title sequence by directed by John Carpenter, surrounded by the stars, and we are in space and we see a spaceship crashing landing on Earth. Then we see the main title, The Thing, in this great, cool 80s fashion. And it kind of opens <laughs> up letter by letter and it looks like it's ice and it's so great. So fucking cool, dude. So much. We open to a snowy scenery with some mountains. In the distance, we see a helicopter, and then we get a close-up of it. We see a guy using binoculars looking for something. There's also a dog that's on the ground running in the snow. We see that the man pulls out a rifle and starts hunting the dog. He begins firing at it, and the dog is able to run into multiple directions as the man misses every single shot, which I thought was really funny. It's like, damn, you this know, sucks. At, at this point, I because of, I guess the ability effects i was like is he even shooting the sniper because i didn't right. see any like gun or anything, or anything. <laughs> yeah uh, but again i don't know maybe a sniper doesn't make it i don't know uh, but i mean it does i think i think you're right i think you're right the first so i just think he wasn't shooting anything yeah. <laughs> but man uh we transition to a facility covered in snow uh then we cut back to a couple people who are playing ping pong inside it we cut to a man who is MacReady playing or played by Kurt Russell making a drink and then also plays chess on a computer that says chess was wizard on it. As he thinks he's about this. to win. I'm oh, sorry, what was that? I was just gonna say I love this. Keep going, keep going. Oh yeah, this is a great scene. <laughs> it's a great setup for this. this character too. Yeah. As oh, he yeah. thinks he's about to win, the computer says checkmate. He says you're a cheating <laughs> bitch. And as he does that, he spills his drink into the computer, breaking it. Fantastic. Dude, oh, yeah. How fucking 80s. <laughs> you just want, you, that's like, this guy just doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> Dude, he was yeah, so happy. For real. He's like, McCready. He's making moves. Not he's giving like, a shit oh, about yeah. anything. Yep. He's like, I'm about to win. And he's like, fucking cheating bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Spills a drink. You see the little sparks? It's great. Uh, we see oh, their way making to the facility. The helicopter is circling around, and we see the same man come outside. The rest of the crew come outside to check what's happening. They realize that the helicopter is Norwegian. We cut to the man in the helicopter pulling a grenade out and starts throwing it at the dog. And then we see a great miss and explosion. A little excessive, to be honest. But hey. To kill this dog? Right. 
But I mean, what we learn later on, uh, definitely not excessive right. at all. And this is why the uh, the re re remake or the sequel to the thing or the prequel to the thing, whatever the fuck you want to call it, in two thousand eleven, would have been a great idea because initially it was set up, and you didn't really know it was set up to right. be the beginning of the movie to be with the Norwegians until like midway, maybe a little bit further down. Um, and it, it, for me, it didn't click until you got the scene where he initially committed suicide. And it was like, oh, shit, this is a prequel to the thing. This isn't a sequel. And then you get the ending of where the dog is running. And you're just like, fuck, this movie would have been so cool if it wasn't CG. Everything right. was, was CG. CG. And it was just like. <sighs> it would have been a great concept, too, to like actually do it properly. But eh, it's OK. Yeah. Um, okay, so the helicopter uh, the helicopter begins to land, and as the helicopter lands, the dog rushes to the group of people and starts jumping on them. The man grabs another grenade and is about to throw it, but then drops it behind him. <laughs> he runs away, and we see that the pilot from the helicopter gets out and tries to grab it. Both the helicopter and pilot both explode in the explosion. Yo, at this point, I was like, uh, what? <laughs> right. You feel lost seeing this. Yeah. But at the same time, it's, it's just, like, it's a pretty cool scene. It's like, I don't know why the pilot tried to get the grenade to. It's like, just run, dude. Yeah. What are you doing? But that's good context of like, uh, I don't know. I like the action. The explosion was tight. <laughs> uh, this, the man starts speaking Norwegian or is that proper? I don't know if that's right. Norwegian? Yeah, that doesn't sound right. Mm-hmm. No, it's technically not, but it's fine. Yeah, it's it's Germanic uh, language. You could just say that if you're if you don't know what language it was. Sure. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Uh, he approaches a group with the rifle. Uh, as he's trying to warn them about the dog, the dog is still trying to go on top of one of them, licking them. The Nor- uh, the Norwegian man fires a shot and hits one of them in the leg. They all take cover while the dog runs away. The man would have continues- been pissed. I know, right? right? No, it's insane. I would have been so mad. I'd be like, "I'm not, bro. You kill him. Like, (laughs) like, Uh, he shot me, bro. Kill him. Kill him right now." Like, (laughs) I know. Basically, that's what it leads up to, right? But at the same time, I'm like, I already would have been like throwing hands or whatever once they're trying to go for like the pup because I'm like, no, he's a good boy. I actually, yeah, I want to know your your thought process on this because, like, you you initially don't know what's really going on, right? Because this is your first time watching this, and you don't really know any any of this process. And actually, this happens also in Martin Mystery, the exact same thing. The dog comes in, and they're like not trying to kill the dog, and the dog changes. It's fucking great. But um, <laughs> initially, what was your thought process, David? Like when they were trying to kill this dog, were you just more so confused or were you just like, what the fuck? Like, like this dog did nothing to these dudes back the fuck off. Like what, what was your initial, were you defensive? Were you confused? What was your initial reaction to that? So I'll be real. So when the movie opened and you see the dog running and serpentining, right? I'm like, no, no, don't shoot the dog. Right. And um, then the dude in the helicopter gets a sniper and he starts quote yeah. unquote shooting and I'm like wait is is he really shooting and that's where I got caught up on I was like I can't tell if you're really shooting or not uh, you got <laughs> caught up on the 80s got it exactly but <laughs> I, I eventually like a, a couple shots in I'm like no they're, they're going for the dog it seems like it right um, but yeah. they're missing every shot that's a little weird right. and that's what I thought of it and then as it as a dog rolled up to the facility and was all buddy buddy with everyone there I was like yeah. no this dog is normal right um 
But I think maybe within 10 minutes of the movie or 20 minutes of the movie where the dog is kind of just walking around the facility while everyone's hanging out, I started getting my suspicions. I was like, or I think it's mm. after they, yeah. you know, they make a visit somewhere. And I'm just like, wait, there's a reason why they're, they were aiming for the Shooting dog. So the I dog. got there yeah. eventually, but I feel like I got there pretty quickly. But okay. I was... Okay. It was a theory. It wasn't like, oh, I know for sure it's the dog, you know? Right, right, right. And it was definitely confirmed later in the kennel, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, that's when it was confirmed. <laughs> yeah, I would guess so. <laughs> even in the pen, when the the dog was in the center just staring at the wall, I had my suspicions. I was like, it's staring at the thing. I, at that moment, I didn't think it was the thing. Oh, interesting. Oh, okay. Sure, okay. sure, 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 sure. You thought you thought it was coming towards the thing. Exactly. Huh. Okay. Interesting. Like that. That's really cool seeing from your perspective, seeing it for the first time. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Uh, so the, the man continues to shoot. We see another person with a pistol break a window from a tower. The Norwegian man continues firing at the dog and eventually gets shot by that guy with the pistol. McReady asks if George is okay. He was the one that got shot in the leg. And he's played by Peter Maloney. We see that the shooter is indeed dead now. George says that he's fine and takes a drink from a bottle. We see the rest of the crew getting fire extinguishers and the man with the pistol also comes outside. Everyone starts to attend to the fire and tries to put it out. We cut to a shot of the dog looking from afar and the man trying to calm it down. Do you event- uh, they eventually get the fire out and McReady looks at the debris and states, First goddamn week of winter. That's pretty much how our movie starts. I when he said that line, I was like, "Is that just the movie's way of telling us it's the first the week time. of winter?" Literally, yeah. yeah. I, I think and I was like, us, initially. like context clues of we get how early they're at at that facility, and then how far they have to like get to to be saved later yeah. on when they talk about right. spring. Yeah. Uh, the next scene begins with George getting sewed up and where he got shot. Gary's helping him realize that he's in pain, and he also uses the line, it's only four stitches. <laughs> George asks why the helicopter was flying so low and why they were shooting at the dog. Gary explains it could have been cabin fever. We see the crew using the radio and not being able to connect with anyone. Uh, the person on the uh, radio is Windows, and Windows explains that they haven't been in contact with anybody in two weeks. Then we get introduced to Knowles. Someone who's roller skating down the hallway and meets with the guys in the room saying maybe that they're in war with Norway. Then we get this gruesome shot of the dead guy who was shot in the head. Who's the Norwegian? Uh, One of them asked how long they have been stationed out there. Another one replied, only eight weeks, and that's not enough time to go bonkers. Null's response, bullshit, five uh, five minutes is enough to put a man over down here. He then (laughs) suggests that Palmer's been crazy since day one, which I love that. Uh, Palmer also replies with a middle finger, smiling. They all start to talk about the rest of the crew and how many people were associated with him. They say it was a crew of 10 people and that there should be 8 people left. One being the pilot that died and the man that got shot. We cut to them outside preparing to go investigate the other person's facility. Worried about the weather, they still decide to go and take the chance to find out what's really going on. Uh, Mac starts up the helicopter and we cut to Noel saying that they are really taking it up. And Palmer says, MacReady knows what he's doing. The camera then pans below the ping pong table, revealing that the dog is underneath it, hiding. 
MacReady begins to take off and begins to fly away. We come back to the dog one more time and transition to the next scene. And that's really cool. I love how the camera mm-hmm. gives us context clues like pay attention to the dog. Me seeing yeah. it like for multiple times, I got the yeah. point of what they were trying to do with the camera work. So I don't know, David, right. if you caught that. It's like, huh, they really want us to pay attention to this dog. At, but, at, actually, at, yeah, at this moment, that's when I was like, I... I kind of got lost in the moment of thinking like, what's happening? What's the mystery? And then around this moment is the point of like, wait, I I have a show where I need to speak on this. I should, I should pay attention to the cinematography (laughs) and all that and the camera work. So I was like, bring it back. Bring it back. Fair enough. (laughs) No, that's fair. Honestly, I'm right with you both actually, where initially trying to see this again with kind of like, uh, virgin eyes, I guess, where you are thinking about the whole context clues of things and how they are spending a lot of time focusing on that dog. And mm-hmm. initially, sure, it could be a multiple amount of different things. And it wasn't until like the dog kept like it, it kept going around and walking around, going to places that it shouldn't have gone into, scares the dude underneath the, the table and all this other shit. Um, which I I initially think it actually switched into his body at that time but um it, i just thought it was so fucking cool but keep going because i am very curious on david's first visceral <laughs> reaction of the dog change so keep going let's get to that Sounds good. <laughs> uh, so we open to a new shot outside of the facility and realize it's night we hear some awesome music and we see george coming out to the door yelling at Knowles about the music to turn it off Noel says okay, but continues to play the music and even pretends to turn off the stereo and just shrugs it off. The song that's (laughs) being played is Superstition by Stevie Wonder. That's great. There is superstition. Writing's on the wall. Sorry. Uh, And then we get this great camera pan and transitions to different rooms and we get this awesome shot of a hallway and a dog slowly coming out of the door going towards uh, the camera. And the camera follows back to it with that same song playing, saying to the viewer, pretty much, have some superstition about this dog, which is great. Ugh. Great song choice. Uh, we see the dog enter a room where we see a shadow of someone inside. The man turns and notices the dog, and we see it by the shadow, and then we just cut to black. Amazing. Mm. Um, I like the cuts to black. Yeah, really, I really enjoy that in this to, movie. To um, me, I was like, oh, 80s. <laughs> Right, oh, for sure. and I think that I think that's why I like it. Is yeah, because like it, it's such it's such with the times, you know. Like, and it's something that we're no longer used to anymore. And if it feels to me, it feels like you are kind of watching it with virgin eyes, in in, in a way, because it, it just kind of transports you a little bit. And I, I absolutely adore it. I think it's so charming uh, when they have things like that within these uh, these particular types of movies because it's very much like this is cut like uh, uh, Big Trouble in Little China very um, much which is also yeah. another John Carpenter movie with Kurt Russell <laughs> but um, it, it, I just I absolutely adore it you know quick tangent fucking Sky High was uh, great movie. was trending last night Wait, really and yeah it was trending last night in the horror community and I was just like what? I was like interesting why is this trending and of course, Bruce Campbell's the coach. I knew that. I remember that. But I forgot like Elizabeth Marie Winstead was in there or Ms. Marie Elizabeth Winstead. Yeah, Whatever. yeah. I forgot she was in there. And I was like, this is, I need to rewatch this fucking movie. Kurt Russell's in there too. I forgot. Oh, all interesting. Of that. 
Yeah, he was the dad. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, all right. Sorry. Quick. That was a quick tangent. Really quick <laughs> on that uh, fade of black, though. So, typically, mm-hmm. I am all in for like 80s media. Like the 80s nostalgia. Yeah. Right. So, typically, I would be into that. But what I realized watching this is I need to be... I need to be fully aware that's what I'm going into uh, because it's so okay. early on in the movie. I didn't realize, I didn't know this movie was going to be as cheesy because of how old it is. 80s it was. Yeah. <laughs> but if I feel like I was like mentioned that before going in, I would have been primed and ready and like loved it for that specifically. Um, but mm. I never realized that until actually like watching it because typically I'm always right. like, yeah, I love those 80s tropes, but. Right. This made me realize I because I, I had I had pictured it to be very, very different. I don't know why. I don't know what sure. I was specifically yeah. imagining either. Did you not know this movie was from the eighties? Uh not until I started it and uh Oh, okay. Yeah, and I saw it was the nineteen eighty two version. Oh my. Yeah, well interesting. The, maybe maybe I'll start adding the years to the movies just to just to kind of prime you guys up for uh Initially, the we could talk about that offline. Don't worry. <laughs> I think it was, but yeah, yeah. yeah. At least oh, for yeah, me, <laughs> like that, like fade to black works so well in this movie because it happens every time something is about to happen, but then mm-hmm. it takes it away from the viewer. Oh. So for it, for us, we get like information taken away, which creates more yeah. suspense and tension, or more guessing of like, ooh, what really happened? See, with that context, it makes me appreciate it because. If there is context to behind why that's happening, then I love right. that. Because right, right. Because as a viewer, if we're not supposed to know and that's why it fades to black, it gives us a hint that something could be happening, then I love that concept completely. Yeah. Right. I think uh, yeah, he did a great job of shots like that. I was like, yes, please don't tell me anymore. I don't I still to this day, I don't know who that person was, but I can guess who it was. <laughs> but yeah, more on that later. I love it. Uh, we cut back to the helicopter flying towards some mountains, and they start to spot the new uh, the facility that has been burned down. Uh, the helicopter lands, and, and they start to enter the building. Walking down the hallway, McReady turns on a flashlight. He then sees an axe has been slammed into a door with some blood on it. Entering the room, they find a trail of blood leading into a dead guy in a chair. McReady then spots a razor blade on in his hand, Hinting of a suicide. This Copper. looks so fucking cool. Oh yeah, just like the the frozenness, the the, the, the frozen scene. aspect of the blood, everything, and how like even his neck is frozen and everything like that. And this just looks really fucking cool. Like yeah. I absolutely adore how this was set up. It's really it intense. Does. It looks absolutely intense. But the the environmental storytelling is what I really enjoyed about oh, it. Right. One, I mean, that's right. clearly obvious. That's what they're trying to do. But it's it's done really well absolutely uh the thing that really shines in this too the lighting is really nice because oh you can see there's oh. like definitely holes in the wall and they're exposed to like the outside and stuff like that so you get that daylight in but it's still dark yeah. enough that hides a lot of like detail and stuff like that and kind of like we were saying everything's kind of like frozen because there is no walls at this point so it's right it's crazy. right well the really frozen aspect what happened yeah, the interior being all frozen, I was like, oh, man, how long were they in here for? But later on, when we go back to the U.S. facility, I'm like, oh, right. in, their interior has frozen portions as well, too. So it made me go back and think, oh, no, maybe this just happened very recently. I don't know now. Right. Mm. That's so cool. 
That makes sense. Yeah. I could, yeah. I could see how you could feel that too. Yeah. God, I love that you never seen this. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a good perspective God to have damn, on this, this podcast. Nice. I love it. Yeah, um, this is nice. Copper begins to ask what happened here. And McReady just says, let's go doc. And as they continue on to the facility, they start to discover more stuff. Doc starts to collect some notes and also gets the videos that they have uh, in the Norwegian facility laying around. And then Mac continues on. That's when Mac finds something and we get this nice close-up shot of him being shocked and calls out to Copper to come here. We cut to a room that has an ice block that has been dug into. um, Discussing what they may have found, they said that it could have been an animal or a fossil that they found and dug it out. They begin to walk outside and see something has been burnt and ask if it was a man it had a creepy looking limbs and animalistic traits to it and it it, it just looked gnarly that's pretty much what by my <laughs> notes uh, it did it looked wild it, as fuck it was, dude it was weird uh, Mac, Mac <laughs> asked for a shovel and get this uh, cool snowy transition effect over the camera that brings us to our next scene which is great uh, we see the helicopter returning back to the facility, and then we get a shot of the dog looking from the window. The crew all go outside to help them carry something in. Then we go into a room where they open it up, and we see the creature-like body. They are all amazed and also very disgusted. We get a nice shot of it now, and we see this awesome, gruesome, torn-apart body that's super deformed. Fuck. Uh, Copper oh, asked gnarly. Blair. All shit. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was really shocked when I saw it because at first I was like, "What these bodies and they're all burnt to a crisp," and I was just right. like, "Yikes, dude! This is gonna be a gruesome ass movie." But once I saw the split head melted oh. into t- two parts, yeah. I actually got really creeped out. I was pretty spooked, and yeah, man, I I was. <laughs> It's probably going to sound funny to you guys. It's, it's it, like I clearly I don't know this movie very well because it's my first time. But I was like, is it going to get up? Is it going to start like crawling over them? Uh, like sure. I oh, had yeah. no, no idea. That's completely that's fair. Good. Which yeah. you weren't. You weren't half wrong. <laughs> True. <Yeah. laughs> You're kind of right. And, that, and I love when that first initial reveal happens. Um, and every single time it happens, I'm like a little kid in the candy store. Like it, it's just it, it feels <laughs> so. Like it's just the intensity behind it, right? Like I mean, you get these this this deformed to like let's let's explain this break this down a little bit. You get this deformed creature, and it looks like a person, right? But it's like its face is split into two, and it's like kind of flattened out a little bit, but with these crazy different types of limbs that are coming right. out of its body, exactly. And it, and it looks very gross. Like it looks very fresh, right? Like the the flesh is still kind of wet. It looks kind of sweaty. It looks um, bloody with its particular alien pores and blood. Mm-hmm. It, it absolutely is so, so well done with this character design here. So and it, it's, it, ah, and it happens God, multiple it's times. So beautiful. It's crazy how good they get these like creature yeah. designs of people mixed in with other animals. It's, it's crazy. This was like the absolutely. hardest part of taking these notes for this movie was trying to describe of what these things look like. I was like, <laughs> it was so hard. And I was like, damn, I can't, how do I even explain this to someone that can't see it? And it's like, oh man, uh, it's, it's just it's gnarly. It's hard. It's hard. And this is why HP, HP Lovecraft would never explain his, his creatures because he was just like, well, fuck, like I know what it looks like in my head, but I don't know how to write it. Right. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> It's like, how do you write that shit? So good. Like, I, and, 
like you just kind of have to explain it and then hope, hopefully they make it, you know? True. <laughs> mm. Uh, mm. That's pretty much when Copper asks Blair to start an autopsy. The camera pans and cuts to all the characters' faces and sees each person's reaction to the bloody, disgusting body on the table. Then another shot of hands panning to the face all deforms. And I'm talking about the body. We get a shot of the weird hands that's like close to its face and it's weird. Uh, the dog is at oh, the doorway yeah, yeah, yeah. watching them. Oh, man, that dog is always being shown. Just saying another so, well, camera trick it's, of always it's, showing the dog curious, always watching well, them. Well, it's also interesting, too, because, like, the dog knows, like, yo, that's one of my homies. Yeah. Right? right? Like, the dog just escaped from that area of where that all that shit just happened. Because right. the dog knew at that point, like, oh, shit, I'm becoming more outnumbered now. Like, and, I need to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And, Freddie, you and I both live with Huskies, right? And yes. uh, did you feel like this dog could do no wrong when you saw its right. face? Every scene? Because I straight up was like, no, it can't be the the pup. Like, look at that face. I just, I can't even imagine. Exactly. Face, man. Uh, but I, I God, it's like, it it's intentional, dog. right? It was a really cute dog. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we see Windows sleeping and gets awoken by someone and he explains that he has been trying to get a hold of someone but they can't because they're a thousand miles away and we can't reach anyone we cut back to the autopsy and find out that the Norwegians had uh, the Norwegian that died had no signs of drugs or alcohol in his system that he was completely okay then they begin to cut into the other deformed body cutting into it we see that it has a normal set of internal organs like a heart and a stomach and everything seems to be very normal. We see the body close up and transition outside, seeing that it becomes nighttime. And it was kind of cool seeing the actual doctor use the scalpel and open it up and see all of these normal organs. And it was disgusting to look at, but I was like, Dude, yeah, yeah I was grossed out. It looked I, I was like, like a I, normal I love body. This stuff. Ugh. Like, Which and, is- and, and initially it was, right? I mean, yeah. it was just like, it was at some point. Like, it, nothing. <laughs> right, yeah. But it, it was just the fact that it was just like, well, Shit! All these organs are are organs. Human. Like yeah. it, it's it's crazy that but, this thing has our organs. Like, yeah. what the fuck is going on here? I mean, it's a Man. it's an important scene, right? Because um, as a new viewer and as the um, researchers are doing this, it's there's no way it could be anything but human because you have done an autopsy. You're seeing these vital organs that are all intact, normal. But later on, we find out that these things can reconstruct on a cellular level and copy even internally. Right. So it, when you go back and watch it or when you're aware of what's going on or what's going to happen, it's, it's cool to see they're like, damn, they have no idea how fooled they are or like how, how bamboozled they're getting. Right. Right. Because to me, from my understanding and please correct me if I'm wrong, like the thing can mimic but it'll also change things like internal organs and so on to completely mimic someone inside and out. It's it's interesting. It, it's like, yes, it, it can mimic as we saw, but it has this thing where it remembers what it mimicked. Right. Like when it goes from host to host to host to host to host to host, which is how you're able to kind of get those dual senses where it's moving its head into this to this crazy long thing and then the dog head comes out again and it's like it's it's really interesting how 
molecularly and biologically how you can break this down to where the anatomy of this creature, how it really works. And it's it's absolutely fascinating seeing it. And um, I want to say James over at uh, Dead Meat, um, shout out to James, friend of the show. Um, uh, I, I want to want to say like he has a breakdown of it um in dead meat or something like that oh, that's really of, cool. like the anatomy of this creature but um it's just so fascinating right. this so, is so 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 fascinating by far one works. of the scariest creatures in horror movies i think because it's so complex and so smart and plans stuff and it can imitate mm-hmm. anybody creature or person and that's it's scary to think about it's pretty scary. I, I think Alien might be a little scary for me, but yeah. Sneak peek. Oh, don't get me started with Alien. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> just a quick, quick mention. I've never seen Alien before either. Oh I'm my excited God. to one day wait. watch David, that. I can't wait. David, you know, wait. you know, none of this surprises me, but I love you, my friend. <laughs> this is why we have you on this show. You I'm, are completely our horror virgin. <laughs> I'm sure people are listening. They're like, what the fuck? <laughs> Get him off the show. Exactly. Nah. This is why we have you. We love your input. Every horror movie <laughs> needs a virgin, so, and every podcast needs a horror virgin. We need that's, to. That's true. Sacrifice yes. your virgin eyes <laughs> to these horror movies. Even if it's a podcast about sunshine and fairies, you need a horror virgin. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, continuing the story, we see some of the guys watching some TV, and the rest of the crew is chilling in the common room playing some billiards and some cards. George gets scared because the dog ran by his feet and asked Clark to put him where he belongs in the kennel with all of the other dogs. Uh, Clark agrees and goes and puts the dog into the kennel with the other dogs. And pretty much the dog slowly comes in and then starts to slowly lay down and just stares at the wall. Yeah. Like Super he was creepy. afraid at first. Yeah. He was just creeping. In and there. it, it's so, so interesting because the dog didn't look at a single other dog. Right. It just was staring straight. It, just, and it wanted to fit in, I, right? I absolutely Say again, I'm sorry. I'm guessing it just kind of wanted to fit in and I feel like it knew if it looked at the other dogs, the dogs would be aware something's up. It, it, I don't know. I just think you know the, what the dog is? just knew what, it, what was coming next. Like the dog was just like, Fuck, like, you know, this is a free buffet right now. That's fuck exactly these what I think. Up. That's a good point, yeah. Like, I think when it was slowly going inside the kennel, it was thinking about its next plan and just mm. slowly getting in, just like realizing gotcha. his environment and what he can do. That would, that would make sense with the blank down. face on the on the dog, right? Because it's, it, it's so lost in thought that it's planning. It's like, how am I going to get rid of this light? Because I think it needs to be in the dark. Am I correct? I thought they had. Uh, I don't think so. Oh, maybe not. Wow. <laughs> I thought they had mentioned somewhere in the movie that it needs to be in the dark to do it. But then I was like, that didn't seem consistent throughout the movie. So maybe I'm just wrong in remembering that. Maybe. Yeah. It, no. It makes I, it feel I, I more comfortable. I don't think it needs to be in the dark. Yeah. Maybe more comfortable <laughs> but, in the dark, uh, dressing up as someone. <laughs> I I love this scene, but I hate this scene. Um, yes. And I'm gonna let you. Yeah. I'm gonna let you kind of break it down a little bit more, Freddie, so you can so we can get into that. Uh, so Clark starts to leave and turns off the lights. All the dogs start begin, beginning to growl and bark at the other dog in question. And then it starts to split its face open. All the dogs begin to get scared and the alien dog continues to morph in this disgusting, bloody creature. And that's when, David, you mentioned the Demigorgon. That's the best way I can mm-hmm. kind of describe his face or yeah. what he looks like, yeah. which is 
pretty spot on, naturally. Split uh, into yeah. like Jimmy Gorgon, four different pieces. Place. Right. Oh, man. So when its face split open, we start to see these bane-like tentacles coming from its back. That's probably the best like, way I can describe it because I had a hard time like what is that to be like put in my notes I was like eh, they like tentacles perfect it, yeah it like kind of whips right around too right yeah and it's aggressive yeah uh, it's just super looking to grab anything it can around it's it very very violent uh, as we so see David, this, oh yeah go for it I, I have to ask Jeez. what was your initial reaction because this shit Right here. Confirmed. Like, I don't think you've ever seen anything like this before in a movie. <laughs> what was your reaction to this? Like when when it started just this crazy ass transformation and it was pretty gruesome. Straight up, <laughs> I was like, not the dogs. Don't do me dirty like this. Like I don't want to see any pups be yeah. harmed. But this is why yeah, it's hard to watch. When when the thing goes from its dog form and it splits its face open. I, I literally screamed out, what the fuck? <laughs> and uh, especially because the it. cut, right? It it doesn't, it's not a gradual buildup. It cuts away to dogs yeah. growling and then cuts back. And it's just. And the fucking face is just changed. Yeah. And I was just like, whoa, we're going there. Like, we're going there quick. Um, so, yeah, I, I was, I mean, dude, it was so sad because you have one dog that's like biting the fence, trying to make a hole. Oh, yeah, trying God. to get out. Yeah. So, and it, it, and it, it makes you very aware that these are intelligent creatures, right? Like it, it knows right. it's in danger. It's trying to escape. Um, but also, damn, just how gnarly that it's like wrapping around its body with its tentacles. And it's, it's yeah. gruesome, dude. And I'm like, I, I mean, I haven't seen stuff like this. Um, I'm sure there have been other movies that have been inspired by this scene and have done things similarly. Um, but to me, this, sure, like you said, Prince, this was, oh, that's a good point. Yeah, but, Strange Things season three had a scene like this in the hospital. Yeah, but this, I feel like this is a lot more gruesome, right? Oh, it is. for sure. Yeah, yeah Strange Things yeah. is like PG-13. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. This, this is, is definitely yeah. gruesome. <laughs> to are. this level, I, I was really taken aback. I was like, damn, dude. <laughs> like, it's going to be one of those movies. I don't even know. Oh yeah, yeah, dude. It, it, and honestly, like I said, I I love the scene, but I hate the scene. I love the scene mainly because of the transition and and the the visceral reaction um, that felt so real. And um, the main reason why I hate this scene is when they have to spray the dog, right? And the dog's like totally not oh, into yeah. that. And I really fucking hate that scene. I always kind of skip it because it's just like, yeah, even though the dog's not in hurt, it's still that dog's the dog's not having a good time. Yeah, sure. I thought like, the exact dog, same like, it, thing. That's causing a terrible. lot of stress for that poor little pup for right there. Like it. it I was just thinking about my dog, I guess, in that situation. Like if you like hold a bottle above her head she freaks the fuck out so like i can only imagine if if someone were initially spraying my dog with a hose and she had nowhere to run like i would feel horrible like and technically it's not hurting her but at the same time it's causing her a lot of stress yeah (laughs) so yeah i don't know like i that that scene made me feel that scene always makes me feel really uncomfortable and i I usually always kind of like skip it it's like only like five five seconds or so so i always kind of skip 10 seconds ahead to not have to feel Watch that it. gut reaction that's fair yeah but and i don't even know if it's still that bad i i don't even know like maybe i might be tripping out but like because the last time i seen this movie was like maybe five years ago but i remember it not being too great and i just no 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 i think you're right too because it, it does look like the dog's not having fun for sure 
great words. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm, I wasn't, all right. I'm not crazy. No, definitely not. Uh, but yeah, we see the creature also spill out some of these spider-like legs out of its body as well, which is crazy. And then all the dogs, like uh, David said, were starting to get terrified. Even one dog trying to bite through the fence to even get out. That same dog oh. begins to get sprayed by some type of weird alien liquid. And that's pretty much what we were talking about. Clark re-enters the room. <laughs> Clark re-enters the room to investigate what's going on. And he tries to turn the light on, but it doesn't work. He then unlocks the kennel and sees that all of the dogs start running out super scared. He sees the creature <laughs> and quickly tries to close the door again and locks it up. We cut to um, Mac going to the refrigerator and hears all the dogs yelping and hears some weird creature sounds. He quickly runs to the hallway and pulls the fire alarm. Then we go back to Clark and then now Mac is joining him with a shotgun. Clark says that he doesn't know what's in there, but it's mad. We then see everyone else asking what's going on, and if Mac uh, and he tells that um, what was it, Childs, that Mac wants the flamethrower. Then we see Hell <laughs> yeah, bring the flamethrower. Keith David dude was so fucking dope in this. Yeah, he was. Like, oh my oh, god, so I was just like, fuck yeah, brother, give me get that shit, dog. Like, <laughs> I can't see anyone right. else play Childs. He killed it. No way. No way. He's yeah. perfect, dude. He's so perfect for this particular role. And, oh, and, and seeing him in Mac? just multiple, Jeez. it's phenomenal. So it's good. very, very well done. And, and the reason why I like this movie so much, even though we follow McCready so, so much within this movie, and McCready's obviously our star, right? right. Like, and, and even when my brother was a kid and stuff like that, he would always like look up to McCready and shit. But I've always looked up to Childs. I was just like, man, like, he he never said McCready, you're not my boss. Pretty right. much, like McCready, He's his like, own boss. like no, I like I'm on my own boss. Like, I'm gonna do my own shit. I'm not gonna follow your rules. I mean, I'm just gonna go by my own kind of thing. And, I, and that to me was pretty dope. And I like I, I always looked up to Childs for that reason. And and it obviously it helped that he was black too, right? Because it was just not only is he standing up to McCready and also these monsters. Because uh, he technically also survives, like right. you know, uh, but um, it's the fact that Childs is initially the same caliber as McCready. I think, and so I think too. that is just the coolest shit ever. And it's just fuck, man. He, Chef Kiss, he, like I absolutely love his character. He really takes no shit. And the nice thing too, he even tells Max, like you would have done the same thing at one point. It's like, yeah, you probably would have. Right, you're doing like yeah. what a leader would do. Like, yeah, you're, Absolutely. You're, you're the man. Fuck it. Yeah. Uh, I love it. I love it. it. It gave me very, like, Dwayne Jones vibe from, like, Night of the Living Dead in 1968. Like, it mm, really gave me mm-hmm. those types of vibes. Like, I love it. Uh, that's where we see the entire crew coming together where the kennel is and where the creature is. Mas, uh, Mac asks them to step back and then opens the cage. That's when we see a huge deformed body with a face of a dog screaming at him. Everyone is yeah. shocked. And we have this bloody, disgusting... Huh? Thanks, guys. Pus bill. <laughs> uh, limbs oh, sticking out man. and organs are visible. Mm. Ugh. Dude. And wow. What a sight. Right. David, did you gasp? I, I, did yeah, we get at an this infamous point, David gasp? I was like... <gasps> <gasps> dude, the screech, too. I was like, oh, man, he's just... Uh, <sighs> Nightmares. Oh, dude, that screech Nightmares. is yeah. phenomenally done. Like, that's where the sound design really, really plays 
Like, I would love to have heard that on a home on a home pod. I might have to rewatch <laughs> this again just to, to have some sound. sound on this For bad boy. Sure. So with with that wow. too though, with the screech, like it's you know it's not. I think screeches in a movie coming out in 2020 maybe like you know safe. It's been done before, but at this point, I, I feel like the mainstream like audience viewer hasn't probably been exposed to it all that much. So it, it probably has a lot heavier effect back then than it would now. Right. Yeah. But I mean, true. you also think back to where it's like, what, 2014, we got the Babadook and mm. their screeches for that creature was very, very odd. Yeah, it wasn't a fitting. Fan. Yeah. But like this, for some reason, like it felt like you look at it. It made and sense. When you hear that, that screech, you're just like, yeah, that's how I picture how that sounds. Like, like that, th- that looks like how it sounds. But when the Baba Duck did it, it, it was just like, well, even though we technically don't see the Baba Duck, it's just like, hmm, I don't picture that sounding like a triceratops. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. True. So I don't, I don't know. Uh, and then we get that sad part where it cuts to the dog that was sprayed, and it's all bloody now and all deformed with some tentacles like vein, uh, veins on it attached to it as well. Uh, Max starts firing the shotgun at the creature and also the dog traps and uh, the dogs trapped inside, which is heartbreaking. It was sad to see that. Uh, Clark feeling bad for his dogs. He grabs Mac and pulls him back. Childs come in with another flamethrower and sees what's happening. The creature, the creature gets a lot bigger and starts growing these long arms with like with these razor sharp claws. Mac said torch it and he's still in shock. We see the creature open up with an alien mouth filled with teeth about to attack him. He quickly uses a flamethrower, lighting it on fire, and the crew comes in with the fire extinguishers putting it out. Everyone is shocked. And then the next day starts. Man. What an Whew. intense scene. Whew. What a ride. And that's how we get introduced to the thing for the first time. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like how day, quickly it... Sorry, very quickly. No, I just wanted to add in. I really love how quickly it already has like ramped up. Um, with oh, it being sure. such a desolated area, I thought it was going to be a really slow build because mm-hmm. I thought they didn't really have that much environment to play with. But what I really loved was, oh, dude, like pretty early on, we're already getting into it. Mm-hmm. And oh, that's yeah. that's the beauty behind isolated horror, right? Because like you you don't know what you're going to really get. And that, that's what I love yeah. so much about these type types of um, isolation uh, foregrounds. And initially, when you get into a situation like this, and it plays very well with the times where, first and foremost, there are no phones. They need a radio right. system in order to get contact with someone. And on top of that, they're in fucking Antarctica. Like, it's <laughs> not like you could just, like, get up and leave kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, it, it, I feel like that alone gives us a sense of dread because it's just like, well, shit. McCready, yeah, he's this awesome-ass helicopter pilot, but how far can a helicopter go? Like, I don't know. Like, you know, I'm not a pilot of a helicopter. I don't study helicopters, but <laughs> it, it, I can Fair only enough. imagine a helicopter's probably only going to get you so far. Kind of thing. Like, I, like, I don't think you're going to be just zooming out of there. And then again, what if the, because all those barrels that were around there were for the helicopters right. for the fuel. When was the last time they filled it up? 
who knows? So it's it's all these things that kind of go into your head with isolated horror. And I absolutely adore it. It's one of my favorite subgenres of all time. And I, I really, really adore just so many different aspects behind isolation when it is introduced into horror. You get it a lot in the Blair Witch. You get you get it quite a bit in Wreck. Um, and it, it's just so, so beautiful yeah. when you see how all of that is just married together with something as visceral as a monster. Like, I, it is so fucking cool. It, I it, love creature yeah. features because I feel like we don't get them that much anymore. Yeah, we uh, don't. But I think they're really, really cool. Kind of like what you were saying. I do like Isolation Horde too, just because you can't reach out for help. You're the one that has to solve the problem. You as the character are your only hope. You can only save yourself, which fantastic. Yeah, You're, you're stuck. Then you're stuck kind of thing. And that's, that's the beauty behind it, which gives us a great way to do character development to actually move a character along in the movie too, which is, yeah, what they do really well here. Yeah. 100%. Because definitely there is a large amount of people in this movie. And it's not a large cast. It's just it's a big group of people who get fleshed out pretty well, pretty evenly. too. Right. But yes, uh, the next day we're back in the autopsy room and we see Blair ripping off one of the creature's limbs. He begins to cut into it and sees that there are multiple types of life forms inside it. Blair explains that this life organism can imitate other life organisms and it also wanted to absorb the dogs in the kennel. He points out that there is part of part of it that's not fully dog that it was not finished imitating them we cut back to the kennel of blair and clark getting a sample of one of the dogs that died blair asks what the dog was doing in the rec room and clark just says that it was out all night you can tell that blair is worried that the dog was roaming around the entire time during um, their rescue he asks how long he was alone with that dog clark responds about an hour hour and a half Blair looks at Clark, and Clark asks why he's staring at him. He responds, I don't know. It's probably probably nothing. Nothing to worry about. Uh, we see the group looking at the video footage that they found at the Norwegian camp. They see that they discovered something huge under the ice, and then they start to plant thermite charges. We see a big explosion in the video and cut to a map showing where they were. Uh, Greedy-ass humans being greedy-ass humans. That's right. all. Exactly. Oh, we found something? <laughs> Let's disrupt it and find out what it is. Terrible. It's the same shit happened in Descent. We learned this time and time again. You want to be the first to discover some shit? Bites you in the ass. <laughs> uh, all I'm saying, leave that shit alone. Leave man, nature where it is. Couldn't have said it better myself, <laughs> friends. <laughs> that's why my ass don't be going in the ocean. Don't be <laughs> stupid. <laughs> I don't want to go in there. I don't need it. <laughs> It's water. Great. I got it in my bathtub. I'm fine. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Max starts to get ready to investigate where they found the location and cut to the helicopter flying away. They start to fly over the area of interest. They land and start walking towards the dig site. We get this awesome shot of the three of them overlooking something, and then we cut to the overhead shot of them seeing the flying saucer. They begin to climb down and get a better look. We learned that the flying saucer was probably been buried there for at least a hundred thousand years, which Damn. is crazy. I love that touch because they gave us a time frame of what happened in the beginning of the movie. It's like, damn, a hundred thousand years. Cool. Yeah. It's pretty um, cool. Yeah. Oh my God. Then they discovered I mean, the one area thing with that, where they took the ice block. Sorry. David, sorry. No, you're good. One thing with that, I, I don't know if I caught it, but were they able to describe, 
describe how they determined it was a hundred thousand years old? Um, uh, the the burial of the eyes. Yeah. Oh, because of the depth of it, correct? Correct. Yeah, because like it yeah, was yeah. like so where they were standing on top to get down there. Um, that was all initially all supposed to be ice, and they blew it up. Right. The Norwegians blew it up, and that's how they saw it in uh, down there. Okay. Um. Perfect. Yeah. I so love the so that, that's then. initially how they base it. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It's I'm surprised it's so long too. Uh, yeah, the fact that they were dormant for that long. Yeah, <sighs> freaking cool. crazy. And it shows how like I don't know that life form can survive for that long too and still be alive. Yeah, that's that's a yeah. big threat. Like I said, they put a lot of time and effort to the detail of this creature, which is yeah, fantastic. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Uh, we cut back to the facility and it's nighttime again. Mac is telling everyone about their discovery. Childs doesn't believe any of it and tells Palmer if he believes it. And Palmer says it happens all the time and that the government already knows about it. Palmer even says that the aliens taught the Incas everything they know. They're all talking over each other at this point about believing it. And Child asks if Blair has anything to say about it. Blair's looking at a photo of the Norwegian crew with the ice block. He just looks up and then we cut to black again. And then we open to a computer screen with two blue dots on the right or to the left side in a virus-looking red shape on the right side. And then the um, the red shape is called Cell Intruder. We then get a title for one of the blue dots that says Dog Cell. And then we see a simulation happen with the words assimilation when the intruder cell reaches it. We see it over. Uh, we see it take over inside and get the words assimilation complete cell dog imitation then you see more cells enter the screen and being taken over by the intruder cell we see a quick cut of blair then back to the screen with the frightening word saying probability that one or more team members may be infected by the intruder organism with the percentage being 75 percent then even more scary uh, the words come up projection if intruder organism reaches civilized areas entire world population infected in 27,000 hours from first contact and I did the math I said it's about three years yeah damn I'm That's glad incredible. you actually said that because I was wondering that when I was watching it but I want to ask you to <laughs> a question you, Siri. yes what would you do <laughs> If you knew the probable cause of it spreading to everyone was 75% and you guys were isolated, what would you do? <sighs> Shit, man. You know, that at, at that point, it, you always want to take the decision of like, okay, do I want to be the hero or do I want to just get the fuck out of here and let them just fend for themselves? Mm, get the fuck out of here. Um, so like, it, it's crazy though because like, let's say, yeah, you want to leave. Everyone wants to leave. Yeah. Like no one wants to be there anymore. And, and well, now you're stuck with this probability of like, well, shit, I don't know if you're infected or not. So, and it, you don't know all... if you're affected yourself, right? No, you do. You do. Yeah. Because oh, then at yeah, that yeah, point, yeah, you're yeah you do. Yeah. But no, I mean, because um, I mean, at this point in the film, right, they, I, at least I had the vibe that they didn't know enough yet. Um, I'm seeing it as they're not omniscient, just like we are with the movie. Um, mm hmm. They, I'm sure like the doc or someone was like questioning, like, am I infected? Is it in me? Right. And that's what I'm wondering. Do you think you'd have those thoughts? Maybe. Um, cause, uh, yeah, if you see as, it's a virus, maybe. Com- maybe. Yeah. Cause, but like, as they saw with the dogs, 
they saw like how violent it was just for it to start imitating it. And, 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 and then we even learn later how violent it is also trying to imitate a human. Um, but like, it's, it's so interesting because like when the transmission isn't complete and stuff like that, it needs to hide. It needs to rest. It needs to be left alone in order to, uh, complete its imitation. Um, but I don't know. Like that that's always an interesting one. I, I I do love how it's able to just hop from host to host to host though. I really, really enjoy that. Yeah. And when they talk about three years, that's not a long time to infect an entire world too. So that's a scary thought. No, dude. Look at fucking coronavirus, bro. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was thinking <laughs> like, of the entire time like watching it's this. It's not even three years yet and the whole world is pretty much shut down. Like that's wild. Man, scary times. Well, uh, Blair seeing this on the screen, he shakes his head and then opens a drawer with a revolver. We see the group all starting to put the bodies in the storeroom. Palmer says that they should just burn them, and George responds, you can't burn the find of the century. That's going to win someone the Nobel Peace Prize. As Palmer turns around, we see that the body in the bag starts to move. Palmer ends up leaving, and George is still in the storeroom by himself. We see the body starting to drip blood from it and go onto the ground. Then we cut to Mac and Fuchs out outside talking about Blair. Fuchs explains that he has his journal and tells him all about all the things about the creature and that even the dead bodies remains, ha, remains have cellular activity and that it's still not fully dead. They both get really quiet. Then we go back to Palmer. Uh, Palmer, sorry. Palmer is looking for George and walks into the room seeing a chair with a bloody mess and turns out to see George in the corner covered in blood and the tentacles around his body. He rushes towards him, and then we cut quickly back to Mac, saying, go get the doc, and we see and that he will go get Gary and meet at Blair's room. So that was a gnarly scene. Um, I actually recently, Bella and I have been watching the second season of the new Twilight Zone. Um, Ooh, nice. And mm-hmm. we had watched a video, I mean, an uh, episode that um, now I know after watching this was very, very inspired by the thing because it, uh, it had a very similar shot of someone just being wrapped around in tentacles, like through their mouth, <laughs> out their nose, and then in their eye. And I was like, damn, dude, this is gnarly. But I, this is like, like. this is perfect. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I I love this scene. Actually, I I'm a huge fan because he it's weird because he's like all wet. Right, yeah, <laughs> so like, like when he's getting wrapped around it, like he he's just soaked, and it's just like wow, you're gross. I love Pretty it. Slimy. I love it so much, and I I love it. I love it when they come back, and it's just like well, what the fuck? Like I swear he was here. And I, I love right. right off the bat that they believed him. That was my favorite part. Because the fact that they believed him was probably the most interesting thing. Because typically what we see a part of the tropes in horror films is just like, nah, nah Susie, you're lying. Yeah. Like, like, no, no, no. It's, you know, no way you saw that. That's impossible. But they saw some shit already. We're just like, no, we know this thing can imitate shit. Yeah. We know this thing takes over um, bodies or organisms, I, I should say. And w- why not believe him? And I love that they just sprung into action immediately. Oh, for sure. Like, just no no questions asked. They're like, all right, fuck, let's go. Shit. All right, you, see, you saw him? Let, let's go. Let's find him. <laughs> like, I love that. And what love they that. end up doing, too. 
It's crazy. Uh, but Even yeah, better. Pretty much, yeah, Palmer <laughs> starts rushing out and says, it's Bennings, and then they all rush to the storeroom. George's body is gone, uh, and everyone, like you said, springs to action still, because they, uh, when they get into the room, they see that the window has been broken, and we cut to George outside running with the alarm blaring at this point. They all run after him, and they try to stay back away as he falls to the ground. The rest of the team comes out and surrounds him. We see that George now has a bloody arm with long fingers. He starts to screech at them, and a barrel of gasoline gets knocked over in front of him by Mac, and he then throws a flare at him, lighting him on fire. And I just pretty much I put here, this. great shot. It's just the whole team was uh, surrounding it, and then the creature just lit on fire. Dude, Crazy. I love this. I love the screech. Like, for me, the screech Haunting. really, 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 really just transcends on so many different planes for me, where right. I just absolutely adore this sound design and just like when when i when i hear it and just how he opens his mouth as like he's about to scream like once again this reminds me of like uh 30 days of night with the screeching Mm. of uh the vampires vampires. and things like that absolutely genius behind all of it and it's just oh man i really 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 adore the screeching i think you put it in the best way freddie you uh-huh. just said haunting and that's very much it right oh, because sure. it's it's also the wonder of like is is my my like fellow researcher friend s- still in there like cuz right. I, I they don't know enough about the thing yet right and us as viewers yeah we do know but like uh i'm sure there were some of them wondering and it's it's really just like crazy how nonchalantly it's done it is very haunting. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. Absolutely. You, you got it right on because the thing is like, it's not fully like transformed yet. It's still his face mm-hmm. that makes that awful creature like sound, which is the thing Ugh. that's haunting about it. It's like, it's still him, but it's not yeah, him anymore, right. which is great. Right. Uh, and we, we kind of get Ugh. that in the next kind of conversation. Uh, Gary and Mac have a conversation inside and Mac explains it wasn't him anymore. Gary explains that he was his friend for 10 years. And Max says that they have to bring the rest of them and start leaving the room immediately. Yeah. Uh, the team begins to dump all of the barrels into a hole and bring all of the foreign bodies into it. Matt comes out with the flamethrower and sets it all on fire. They all stand around and ask, where is Blair? Blair at this point is missing. Windows is trying to get a hold of someone else on the radio and the rest of the group goes to the rec room. Max starts to put uh, everything away outside when he sees Blair sneaking out of the helicopter. Mac goes into the helicopter to see what he was up to and sees that he destroyed all of the electronics. We hear a gunshot and Mac <laughs> rushes into the hallway. And then that's when we see Blair is shooting and breaking the telecommunications room and says that nobody is leaving. He explains that no one knows what is really going on around here, that he doesn't care if they think he's crazy. Childs goes outside to start investigating if the tractor and helicopter are indeed destroyed. When he comes back, he tells them that they are and that he also killed all of the dogs as well. Very sad. Uh, Mac tells him to sneak on to the other room and to talk to Blair. 
Charles begins to talk to him and says, Come on, Blair, you don't want to hurt anybody. And as soon as he says that, Blair takes a shot at him and says that he will kill him. <laughs> that was Yeah, I was such like, damn, dude. He does want to hurt somebody. Bro. <laughs> uh, and he continues. He fires the remaining shots, and Mac and the rest of the crew try to stop him. We cut to Clark seeing his dog with an axe in his neck in the kennel, and it's very sad. The group carries Blair out of the tool or out to the outside and into the tool shed and boards it up. Mac asks him how he's doing and he and he says that he doesn't know who he can trust. Blair says to watch Clark and to watch him close. Mac leaves and then locks the door. They all start to talk about what they should do and that the rescue team won't be here until next spring. Mac says that one or more of them can be infected and they wouldn't and they wouldn't be able to make it to next spring. That's when Charles makes the great point that if he was an imitation, a perfect imitation, how would they know if it was really him? Uh, the doc says that mm-hmm. they can run a blood test to put infected blood with normal blood to see if there's a reaction. And I love how Child, wow. like Charles is so smart. This brings up a great point. I was like, cool. Uh, yeah. Like I, I love how they kind of get the idea of like, well, I mean, you know, let's just test everybody's blood and let's just see how right. this shit works out. They're starting and to I learn absolutely love that. and adapt to yeah. the situation, which a lot of horror We're movies just trying don't do to that. figure it out. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that that's really important for this particular movie because it's just like that's all you really have. Like you you have you're isolated. All you can really do is try to figure out like how to stop this thing from jumping from body to body to body to body. And let's kill the host. And, or excuse me, not the host. Let's kill the the uh, the virus, and because all so far that they're doing, they're killing the host of these things. They're not killing the virus itself. They're killing the, initially what it's inhabiting. Right. And the thing I love about this movie, a lot about this movie actually, is that the thing never really kind of kills anybody except until the end. Like everyone else is doing all yeah, the killing. That's true. That's a good point. And like I, I absolutely love it because it kind of reminds me of like like kind of a cabin fever esque type of uh, situation. Not necessarily the movie Cabin Fever. I'm just saying in general, um, where you kind of get this syndrome of like, was it ever really? Was it ever really there? Kind of thing, or did someone just snap? Um, so it, it's it's so <laughs> yeah. interesting seeing that like initially that thing never really killed anybody until the end it, it definitely kills someone at the end but i forgot who it kills but um which we'll get to but yeah yeah i like just it. my two cents no it's it's perfect uh mac tells the group to keep an eye on clark because he was very close to that dog they go to the blood storage to see that someone has gotten into it and spilled all of it on the ground that someone unlocked it ruined it locked it back up again and they try to see who had access to it. They all turn around and look at Gary. He explains that he's the only one with the key and gives it to uh, Copper sometimes when he needs it. They all start to blame each other and realize that Windows is starting to run away. We get this cool tracking shot of him running down the hallway as he breaks the glass to a gun storage, and Gary catches up to him, pointing a pistol at him with the group behind him. Windows expresses that you are... Are you really going to listen to him? He could be the one of those things. Then Mac tries to defuse the situation and gets Windows uh, to put down the gun that he got from the cabinet. He puts the gun down and Gary lowers his weapon as well and tells them that he's not too sure about Cooper or Copper, 
but he gives his word that it wasn't him. He puts the pistol down as well and says that they might feel more comfortable if someone else was in charge. Childs quickly volunteers and Mac takes the pistol and says maybe it should be somebody with more uh, even-tempered. Then we cut to outside and it's dark and windy again. Pretty intense scene. Like it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's very fast Super intense. Uh, but yeah, I don't blame Windows. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like being scared yeah. at that moment and trying to defend yourself and not knowing who's who, he was right to like yeah. run away and kind of be in that situation. But yeah, grab grab Man. himself a weapon and and you know start prepping up. But, but like at the same time, like you, I kind of see it from everyone's perspective in a way where it's just oh, like, for sure. yeah, like you know, we don't know if you're really Windows technically, and I don't want you having a gun if we don't know. But that's that's always the hard part behind this, where it's just like, well, I know I'm not infected, blah blah blah, kind of thing. But at the same time, anyone what makes this that. so fascinating? Exactly, anyone can say that. But what makes this so fascinating is that um, everyone's trying to figure out, okay, who's the leader here? Because that's that's so that's such an important thing, and we know that like yeah, McCready's kind of taken over that role, but at the same time, no one else still feels that. No one feels McCready is the one in charge here. And I think that is just so intriguing where it's just like everyone's just like trying to figure out what the what can they do for themselves, right. not for everyone else when McCready's trying to figure out like, no, like, let's try to figure this shit out together kind of thing. But everyone else is kind of like, like, nah, man, every man for themselves, it feels like at this point, because yeah. I can't trust you. He's taking yeah. up that I mean, role. And straight up, he's just a pilot, right? Initially. Right. And, and yeah, that's is, all he is. Yeah. So and um. And I think this scene is why earlier I had proposed a question like, what would you guys do in the situation where you're aware that it could spread? Because um, I had the feeling that Windows was freaking out because he was so unaware of what was going on or just so confused. Like, And I had thought maybe he was questioning if he doesn't even know if he's infected, even though he's feeling threatened by everyone else. Like, It's just that sense of anxiety that so much is going on that you don't know what to think, right? So that was yeah. where I took True. it as, where I, I I think people might question if they're infected or not. Like, what if I'm just a copy and I'm just laying dormant for now until I'm activated or something like that? Sure. But I mean, we we do get like that initial... Um, I Well, I guess we'll talk about it when, when, when they do the blood test. Oh, yeah. Great scene. But ah. yeah, that's a fantastic scene. I love scene. this movie. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so we heard. So, yeah, this is the only part I didn't get. So the next scene is that they burn the blood bags to be safe outside, or they burn the blood bags outside with the flamethrower. Don't know why they did that. I don't know if you guys have any input on that, but yeah, so what I had imagined was that this thing can copy things on from a cellular level, right? And if it gets into something's blood, it could copy it just from its blood cells. That's what yeah. I thought. That's that's how I saw it too. Nice. Initially, um, because your blood has your identity. Sure. Your blood has your DNA. So I assumed that it was just more so like, all right, all of them's right here. So I can just pick and choose whichever I want. And that blood is just a cartridge. That's all it is. Damn. So like that's that's how I pictured it too. The it was only just thing, like like, oh, this is all our DNA. If it got yeah. into the blood bags to begin with, didn't that like not matter then? Because everybody had access to it? 
Oh yeah, one hundred percent. It definitely doesn't make sense in plot holes wise, but yeah, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> but yeah no, 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 you're you're one hundred percent right. Um, everyone gathers around Mac, and Mac says that he knows he's human, and that some people are still too, or else he would have been attacked by now. He says that this thing wants to hide inside an imitation. He explains that it's vulnerable in the open, but it takes over when it has less enemies around it, and then after it takes all of us. There's going to be no one left to kill, and it's one. To find out who's them or not, Max says that they should drug them and observe their behaviors. That's when we cut back to the rec room and start to see a group of three getting morphine shots injection into their arms. Mac is on a tape recording saying that he thinks it rips through the clothes when it takes over someone's body, and that he found ripped clothes but it has no name tag, and that it could be anyone. He then says... They can't do anything but wait. Copper tells Mac that people uh, that people should make their own meals and eat out of cans to be on the safe side. That a small particle can take over an entire organism. And I just put here, that's super scary to think about. That even the smallest particle can take over an entire body. A few yeah, experiments. That, that even kind of harkens oh, yeah. back to the blood too, right? Exactly what you were saying. Like just having initially the blood be be that main piece. Can you guys hear me? Now I can. Yeah, I can hear you. I, th- I think I got cut off too. I don't know. That was no, weird. That was Everything weird. was quiet for like a couple, like a couple seconds. <laughs> right. Yeah, was like, that was, that was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that, everybody. That was... <laughs> Even even my recording kind of like paused for a second. It was that was strange. No, oh, but we are back. Uh, David, you were saying something. <laughs> I don't remember. I'm sorry. Let's continue. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, oh, actually, I, I do remember. You were talking about how um, the statement that it can mimic from a molecular level, and right. I think that correlates to your question about the blood bags. Yeah. True. Very true. Yeah, and and I I, I do it, it's. It's interesting, like just like that single, that single piece of of that molecule can just kind of take over something. Yeah, yeah, scary. Uh, we cut to Fuchs working late, and his desk light gives out, and then he lights a candle. Walking around the room, he sees something walk by him, and he asks, "Who is that?" Then we cut to him running outside and lights a flare. We see him finding some ripped clothes in the snow with the name. McReady on it. Uh, we cut back to Mac inside asking the Set group. Up. <laughs> right? It's so, uh, this monster is so clever. I, I'm telling you, this creature is the best designed mm-hmm. creature ever made. Somewhat. <laughs> top three. Top three. Somewhat. <laughs> um, we cut back to Mac inside asking the group if they, can, if they have seen Fuchs and that someone blew a fuse in the lab. Mac wants to have the group split up and look for him. They all start arguing who goes with who, and Mac just says, cut the bullshit, and decides he will go with Windows, and that they will meet back here in 20 minutes. Um, That everyone should watch over each other really close. Mac and and his team go check on Blair and ask him if he's seen Fuchs. We see that Blair's eating, and there's a noose hung up. Blair responds that he wants to come back inside. What do you guys think about the noose? Do you think he was, like, pretending to kill himself? Yeah, I was confused about that. And I remember thinking I wanted to ask you guys about it because everyone was so nonchalant about it. 
like when they saw it. But I, I guess he was just like, yo, I got this ready. Because I don't remember them talking about it. But I, I, I thought he nope. wanted to get out. So he'll show this. It's like, if you guys don't let me out, I'm just going to kill myself. Yeah, it could be a warning. Yeah. It's like, I, I think I think initially he tried to to kill himself. But I think he got infected at that point in time. Oh. Um, but okay. that's how I picture it. Just because, like, it, the thing the the thing does not want to kill itself. It, it wants to survive. That's why it keeps doing this. Um, and I just didn't picture it being um, wanting to do that. And if, and for him, I don't know. Like, I just thought it was so interesting. But initially, like, the fact where it's like, can I come inside now, or whatever, and and they initially was like no <laughs> like fuck off like you were shooting people it's like I, I was having a rough time i'm better now <laughs> yeah um but uh initially i just felt like it was that type of situation just made it seem like okay yeah it got him already at this point um but i i don't know the the news thing was really really interesting it's like they just nonchalant completely just they didn't like you said david they didn't even bring it up like it just never was spoke on and no one was just like oh my god what are you doing with this or anything like that um but i do think that initially he tried to do it because he saw the probability rate yeah and initially he just was like we're fucking doomed and (laughs) that's why he was destroying all that shit right because he was just like we we can't leave like this thing's going to get us one way or another we cannot leave here yeah. Like if we leave, we're going to affect the rest of the world. We can't take this thing with us. So fuck that. I'm breaking all communication. I don't want anyone coming here. And also, even though some, they were going to switch uh, duties in spring, but it was just like all they had to kind of do was just wait three months and more people are going to come. Mm-hmm. But it it was just all of that really transitioned into how he was just like, this is a lost cause. And I just think they, I just think it got him at that point in time. That's true. Yeah. I think you make a good point. Maybe he got infected before he even got the chance to do it. All right. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Because right here, next line is uh, he says that he hears funny things out there and it's not Fuchs. And maybe that's when mm-hmm. he got turned, obviously, probably. Uh, yep. He swears to behave if he gets let back inside. Max just closes <laughs> the window to the door again and just locks it. Then we, uh, see, and that's the that's the thing. All the all that that's in there, it's not like a key. It's just a latch from the outside. Right. So all the all they have to do is just open it, and I just assume it was another person that came in that initially infected him. Right. Easily. I mean, he was from completely by himself. Opening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's when the group find a burned body with Fuchs glasses, and Max said that it probably tried to burn himself before he got attacked by the thing finding the flare on the ground. Mac tells one of them to go back and tell the others about Fuchs, and Mac says that him and the other one will go up to his shack. He asks why, and Mac responds, because last night I turned off the lights. And the camera pans to his shack with the lights on. And this is when we get a shot of Childs looking out of the window of the shack with the lights off in the next scene. They, he then asks the group how long have they been out there, and that's when we find out that it's been 40 to 45 minutes. He then tells everyone that they should start locking up all of the outside doors. Then we start to see everyone boarding up all of the windows and starts locking all of the doors. Knowles is the first one to come back from the shack and he says that he found a ripped clothes of Mac and got away from him. They all question when he, uh, 
uh, what was it? Okay, they all question what it could have gotten him. They all start to question Nulls as well, if he's affected as well. As they begin to fight, we see the doorknobs start to move. Making sure they don't open the door, they, they hear the supply window smash in. They run over to the room and realize it's locked, and that child starts beginning to uh, take an axe to it to try to break down the door. He threatens and says, you're going to die, uh, McGreedy, or whatever you are. And then that's when we see Mac inside, scared, and also almost freezing to death. And this is You're going to die, McGreedy, uh, or whatever you are. So uh, the visual of Surprise, McGreedy inside there, too. <laughs> It's crazy because you see he's like almost frozen to death as well. So he's just like yeah, freezing dude. Like with he, a flare in his hand. Yeah, it was a storm, right? Like, I right. mean, like in how long can you even truly be out there when it's storming like that? You know, like I've yeah. seen day after tomorrow. I've seen what happens. And pretty much Noel <laughs> said like Noel said like, oh, yeah, I cut the rope so he can't find his way back. So he, he got lucky that he was able to get right. back. It's like nuts. Exactly. Because. If it's storming like that, you can't see in front of yourself. Like right. you can't see your hands even. And, and I, I was unfortunate enough to live in Fresno. But <laughs> uh, so when I was living in Fresno, there's this thing called Toonie fog. Have you guys ever heard of this? Never heard of no. it. So Toonie fog is initially it, it it's this very dense fog that. You can't even like to the point where you literally have to wait uh, in order for it to clear up to drive again. Like you, it's illegal in Fresno to drive in Tooney Fog. Oh, damn. Because you can't see. You can't see anything. So you like it's mandatory. Like if it moves in, you have to pull over on the on the side of the road. And hopefully you don't hit another car when you're trying to pull over. And you just got to wait. It's and you just got to wait. You have to wait until it passes. Sometimes it's 30 minutes. Sometimes it's an hour. Like school would literally get canceled when it was like Toonie Fog because it would just be like, well, guess this Toonie Fog's not letting up anytime soon. Gonna just gotta everyone stay home. But like you literally can't see your hands. Damn. It's so, it's so weird. <sighs> Sounds like, creepy. Oh man. It's so, it, it, it kind of is. Yeah. They're, they're like moments. <laughs> <laughs> like it definitely has some moments for sure where it's a bit creepy. Because uh, it reminds me a lot of like exor- exorcism of Emily Rose, right? But anyway, that that particular moment always re- pictures when they talk about that kind of stuff. It always brings that picture back into my head of like Toonie Fog and um, how it's so dangerous in Fresno just to be in fucking fog, and it's it's just so 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 interesting. God, it's interesting as hell. So good. Um, so yeah, pretty much Charles is able to break down the door and sees that Mac has a lit flare and a bunch of sticks of dynamite. He says that if anyone messes with him, the whole camp goes. He tells them to lower their torches and back off. He calls Charles, <laughs> Charles an asshole and he responds, you would have done the same thing. Mac asks, mm-hmm. such a good line. This, this is the back and forth I love, which is great. It's like, yeah, Charles has some leadership roles or responses and stuff yeah. like that. Yep. Uh, Mac asks where everyone else is and then the rest of the group sneak up behind him trying to knock him down but fail to do so. Then we see um, we see Norris fall to the ground and see that he's not breathing. They untie the dog and begin to do press, uh, what was it, pressure compressions on his chest. Mac is holding everyone back with the flamethrower as the dog is now using the defibrillator. He says clear one more time as he's about to use it and then 
Norris's stomach opens up and chomps the doctor's arms straight off and have him scream Dude. and fall to the ground. <laughs> Fucking wild. I, I, How was this I, for the first time? <laughs> Dude, so I was like, dude, I, I even had like thought like, it's him. It's got to be him. And I'm like, something's got to happen here, right? But it got me because it knew, the film knew <laughs> I was expecting something, but it didn't. It still knew it was going to catch me off guard, which it did, because it's so fluid in how it happens, especially with the body not having any movement. Right. Whew, I loved it. I thought I was like, yo, this is sick. This is what this is why I'm here. This is why I'm watching this movie. Hell yeah. I'm happy oh, you I didn't see like so much. any trailer or any like scenes from this movie, too, because they do spoil this sometimes. And um, no, I always go like in blinds. But yeah, so the. That's what makes this even more interesting that you've never heard of anything because pop culture ruined the fuck out of this movie for our generation. Yeah. Because this is this is all yeah, this is all the stuff you see. Like right. you they they show this cavity this mouth cavity scene all the time. Like they they love Gifts, showing the shit anywhere everything. they can. And it's it's so it's so interesting see, like and I'm so happy that you didn't get this spoiled for you because this is such a beautiful scene. And I, I was fortunate enough to not get this spoiled for me either. But like, I think this scene is just so well done and just wow, wow, wow. God, it's it's just beautiful. I should consider myself lucky, but I mean, I'm sure our listeners have realized like have been a, up until, you know, being a part of the show, I was a very casual horror fan and, now right. I'm really diving into the horror community because of you guys. And I, and I love that I get to see things like that because I, I, like I said, I was a very casual horror fan, but like my, yeah, my world of horror has been opened up to such fascinating things. Thanks to this show. So thanks guys. You're I welcome. Love I love that. <laughs> and I'm so happy you got to see this movie and what's coming next. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> uh, but the body on the table starts to shake violently and the stomach begins to open wider Vein-like tentacles start to come out of it again and starts whipping in the air very violently as well, spilling out all of this green goo everywhere. Uh, We see this giant neck come out of the stomach with spider-like limbs. At the top of it is Norris's head, all deformed and screeching and moaning. Mac lights it on fire with the flamethrower and sees the main head of the body of Norris screaming and detaching from the body. We see the detached head on the ground now, still moving, with a long vein-like tentacle coming out of its mouth, grabbing onto a chair, and having it scoot away from the scene. It starts to move and then grows these weird spider-like limbs and starts crawling away with these antenna-like eyes, and we see it hiding under the desk and tries to sneak by them. It gets caught by the door and Mac lights it up on fire as well. We cut to Mac talking to the group and says that they need to tie each other up, and everyone starts to refuse. Clark says that they should listen to him since he did light up that one thing. Child says that he ain't tie- uh, he ain't tying me up and responds that I'll... <laughs> and then Mac pretty much says, I'm going to have to kill you. And Child just responds, then kill me. Such a great back and forth with this too. Yeah. He's, he's badass as fuck, dude. Yeah, I, got, I love... So cool. I love that he's not taking shit. And I feel like it gives this movie that tension that it needs, you know? Yeah. Because um, if everyone's just trying to like, if everyone's just freaking out and trying to figure it out together, it it's 
it's not going to be as fun. The tension makes it exciting. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the nice thing is the tension is that. not just between Dumb and the thing. It's between each other as well. So there's, there's multiple right. things going on. People don't trust each other, and they're also trying to fight something that's right in front of them as well. Just, yep. <sighs> right. And it continues. He, he starts to point the gun at Childs, says, I mean it. And Mac looks at him and pretty much, uh, what was it? Child says, I guess you do. <sighs> so good. <laughs> uh, that's when Clark rushes him and Mac gets a shot off and ends up killing him. They tie the body up next to the dead doctor and then the rest of the team gets tied up as well onto the couch. Mac says that they will draw a little bit of everybody's blood and find out who is who. He explains that this it's thing is trying to survive and it will do anything to do so. And this comes like one of my favorite scenes. Uh, he gets a bunch of sample trays with their names on it and then we get to the cutting of each person with Windows at the knife first. Windows also draws his own blood. Mac tells him to move back. He starts to heat up a wire as Windows looks at him intensely. He presses the heated wire to Windows sample and nothing happens. He checks out. He then tests himself and clears himself up. Child at this point is pissed. Copper is next and passes. Clark was also fine. Palmer is next and Gary says this doesn't prove anything. Max says you're the only one that had access to the key to the blood samples. We will do your test last. As he says that he yeah, puts bitch. <laughs> <laughs> It's like shit. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> you were the last one. Shut that shit yeah. down real quick. <laughs> As he says that he puts the wire to Palmer's blood test and it erupts and starts screeching. He drops the sample and the flamethrower onto the ground. The blood slides away on the floor, and Palmer tied up begins to shake. Mike picks up the flamethrower and fires it at him, but it seems to be not working properly. The people tied up next to him are freaking out. Palmer starts to transform into this wild, grotesque, body-shaped horror that I can't even put into words. It's literally what I put so- in my notes. Fucking incredible, man! Oh my god, David, did you did this part get you? Like, yeah, because initially, when when they put that that hot wire onto that blood, and then it pops out, right? It literally pops out of that blood, and like, did did that get you? Yeah, I actually really liked how quick it was. Um, right, yeah, That's a good reveal. Because this whole because uh, clearly you guys weren't thinking this because you've seen it before, but I was. I was sitting there thinking like, yo, how does how does he know this is going to work? Like, I'm sure like it's been talked about like, oh, they're like, right. possibly this would work. And I I went in it thinking that this is this plan is going to fail. He's going to think everyone's clean or something. Right. Or someone's going to show that they're clean. But straight up, exactly what they predicted happened. And I I uh, did a little hop when I saw it because I was like, oh, <laughs> damn. <laughs> So I love that you actually said that too, because initially the creature wasn't sweating, like the that like that the creature was initially like like this shit's probably not gonna even work, like, yeah, like I'm I'm chilling, and then it worked, and you're like, well, time to change, yep. like <laughs> real quick too. <laughs> oh yeah, that's man. Uh, as he starts to change, he rips out of the chair, breaking the ground and flying up to the ceiling. Mac tells Windows to blast him, and Palmer 
aka the thing now, falls back to the ground facing him. He shoots out a tentacle around his neck, splits his head open into two, revealing teeth, and drags and bites Windows' head into it. Lifting Windows <laughs> off the ground, biting him still, swings him all around, <laughs> smashing things, including the lamp Fucking and everything around there. style. Yep. Literally. Oh, yeah. What is our awesome, kill? Or it wasn't a full kill, but man. Yeah. Sheesh. It was, it was great. The way that, oh man, that head split open and you just see teeth. Oh, Oof. So good. Yikes. So good. Uh, Windows gets tossed to the corner and Mac finally gets the flamethrower to work and burns Palmer, a.k.a. the thing. The thing screeches on fire and continues to walk forward and even breaks through the wall and heads into the snow. Mac takes one of the dynamites and throws it at it and it blows up. Mac comes back and sees that Windows' body is still moving and burns that up as well. We cut to Nulls, scared, and we see Mac doing the heated wire test on his blood. Luckily, he's clear. We see Nulls helping <sighs> him out now to do Child's test. Child says, Get me out of this Child fucking says, chair! Let's do it! And passes. <clears throat> he asks to get cut <laughs> loose, and now it's Gary's turn. And, he's also, and he also passes. Uh, Gary yells at them and says, He'd rather not spend his entire time tied to this fucking couch. And then we cut to black. <laughs> Man, such a great scene. I, I love the blood testing. So much tension and oh, uh, it's fantastic. Man. Killer. Fantastic. Uh, oh, okay. So, so, so good. Like that, that particular scene right there, like that's the one that usually gets spoiled for everybody. Right. It's pretty iconic. And it's, it has such a good scare that it is just so well, well, well done. And that's the thing where it comes to like pop culture or pop horror culture. Like you said, David, you're not, you, you didn't really spend your time on like horror forums or anything like that. Um, but I did. And initially, luckily this wasn't spoiled for me either. Cause remember the first time I heard about this was from a fucking cartoon. So <laughs> like un- initially, none of this was really truly spoiled for me. It just was like at, in the beginning, it was like, Oh, this plays just like this episode of Martin mystery. Mm-hmm. But as time just went on, like I just love the fact that this movie didn't get spoiled for you. Like I absolutely love that. I'm, I'm so glad this movie is just catching you completely off guard. If you will. Oh man, I wish I could see Ugh. this for the first time again. Love it. Ugh. I did. Uh, I did this. I, mean, all. I wish I could see all the movies I watched for the first time. Again. True. Yeah, Facts. I. I did this. This was a plan from out the womb, just for this moment, guys. Like I, <laughs> I stayed away just so you guys could have all my first. Oh, oh. thanks, man. <laughs> We're happy to take your first. <laughs> oh, why? So. Oh, man. I hope we are. Uh, <laughs> next scene, we have Mac telling uh, Childs that he is going to get a test done for Blair. Mac, Knowles, and Gary go to the tool shed and realize the door is open. Blair is missing, and they uh, find out that there is a floorboard that's loose and find a secret tunnel to a lab. They find out that he was making a spaceship from the parts of the helicopter and also the tractor. We cut back to the facility where the camera moves room to room, then back to the crew in the tool shed. Uh, Knowles spots Childs outside of the main camp and then the lights go out. Max says that he got back outside and blew out the generator 
or um, that Blair got back inside and blew out the generator. He explains that it will be a hundred below, and Gary says that's suicide. Max said nothing for that thing. It will freeze and wait for the next res- rescue team. Max says that we can't let it freeze and that they should warm some stuff around here. Such a great line. Uh, he expresses oh, yeah. that they are not getting out of here alive, but neither is that thing. He uses the flare to light the dynamite and throws it down the hidden hallway, blowing up the spaceship and also the tool shed. They then crash the tractor into the facility and spill the gas from it, lighting the whole place on fire. They start walking through the hallways, continuing to blow the place up room by room. They then reach the generator room and start heading downstairs. They see that the generator has been destroyed. Matt comes up with the plan to bring everything down to the ice. Gary to plant the explosives in the storage room and Nulls down by the generator with Mac. Uh, we cut to Nulls setting up and then we cut back to Gary setting up in the, what was it called? The, oh man, what is it? Storage room. And then we get this nice jump scare that Blair is behind him. And he comes grabbing him by the face. His fingers <laughs> start become intertwined with Gary's face at this time. So crazy. You can see oh, like, this looks the so fingers good, just get inside it looks like his gloves. face. Yeah, it, oh, that's oh, a good point. Looks so that's good. a good way to describe it. Yeah. It's like he's God, wearing it's gloves like it's, with it's his going. Face. Yeah, it's just like molding in and like he's like pulling it and oh this looks good. This looks great. And this is initially the only kill you get from the monster. This is it. Like True. it doesn't really kill anyone else. I guess he kills the like, doctor like, with like chopping his arms off, I guess. That's true. Two kills. Sort of. I mean, like, he technically does die from that, but still. Yeah. Like, that was his fault. Don't put your hand in there. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, I got a quick question for you guys. Yes. Now, since we know that this thing initially travels from host to host to host, uh, do you think that was its spaceship that it was traveling on, or do you think it took over someone and then it traveled to uh, with that spaceship that it took over? That is a that very alien? interesting question. I didn't even think about that because I... <laughs> I wow yeah that kind of blows my mind just thinking about it because I literally thought like all right this is the species that came it seems like a lot of them came and for all we know it could be one entity that splits into multiple versions of itself and that's why the ship is so big Um, and it wanted to invade and claim human species but now that you say that whoa I am just because I thrown off this thing being pretty small right. to want to even take over a dog so like i, I don't yeah. picture it being like that big of an organism but like we never really truly see it i do think though when we initially get the blood test and how the blood kind of moves i think that's the true form i think so i too. think the true form is, yeah. is kind of just like those microorganisms that is able to just travel that way through uh people initially through blood cells right um and that's that's how I picture it. But yeah, I just I've always thought about that, which is like I wonder if it's like just took over a certain species of alien and then came here, or maybe like it took over and it was like, well, fuck, we don't know how to fly this thing, like, <laughs> and then it crashed. It was just like, uh, yeah, because when know. it comes to other life, I think of it being at a, a molecular level, right, like bacteria or something like that. But sure, just thinking about that, that's a really good point. Yeah. yeah, it could be like um, interesting. like the movie Alien in the way where like when they find a crashed spaceship, sure, yeah. it's literally because yeah. the, the other aliens get attacked by the xenomorph. 
and that's how they crashed to that planet. So it could be the exact same thing. Because they even talk about, like, oh, Blair said, like, oh, these could be organisms that went from planet to planet, and we're pretty much next. Is that, yeah, yeah they're just moving through space. It's crazy. True that. True that. Uh, we cut back to Knowles and Mac. Then back at the lifeless Gary on the ground getting dragged away. Knowles heats something and then, or hears something, and then goes and investigates. Mac asks how it's going, and he hears no answer. He stops what he's doing and starts looking for Knowles. We get this awesome shot of him looking down the tunnel and the ground at the very end erupts and the ground starts to move towards him, making him jump out of the way. The thing breaks through the ground and then grabs the charge of the explosion. We then see it come out of the ground and see the monstrous thing growling and transitioning all through its body. We see a face of the dog coming out of its stomach and a bunch of limbs sticking out of it. Matt grabs his stick of uh, dynamite and says, yeah, fuck you too. Then he throws <laughs> it and it explodes and the whole factory or the whole facility also explodes with it. Such yeah, yeah. a badass line. Uh, probably yeah. one of my favorite this lines in this whole movie. <laughs> just like screaming at him God. and he, Matt just looks back like, yeah, fuck you too. Great. <laughs> um, Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. <laughs> it's literally like one of those lines. It's uh, iconic. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, we zoom back looking at the wreckage, then cut back to Mac still being alive outside. He sits down and hears shouts behind him. He asks if he was the only one that made it. Mac responds, I guess I'm not the only one. Mac asks where he has been. And he said that he's been looking. He saw. He thought he saw Blair and was looking for him that he went after him and got lost in the storm. He says that the life or the fire is bringing up the temperature of the camp, but it won't last long. And Max says, neither will we. Childs asks how they will be able to make it. Max says, maybe we shouldn't. Childs says, if you're worried about me, and Mac interrupts and says, if we have any more surprises for each other, that they weren't in the best shape to do anything about it. Childston says, what should we do? Max says, we should just wait here for a little while and just see what happens. Childston sits, takes a sip from the bottle, and Mac smiles. We zoom out to see the facility one last time, and it's still on fire, and we cut to black, and then credits. Wow. Okay. Wow, wow, wow. That open ending. What do you guys feel about it? I actually love that it ended off like that because yeah. I was waiting for something to happen for like but that last climactic <sighs> moment, but it just leaves you wondering. And I think that's really hard for films to do, but when it's done right, and I feel like it's done right here, it yeah. it sparks that conversation when you walk out of the movie theater or when you're with friends or a significant other and you mm-hmm. just finish the film and you talk about it and you hear about each other's different perspectives, which is what we do for the most part, right? I love that moment. I love that film can bring people together like that. And that creates an opportunity for that because everyone's going to have a different idea of what really happened. Right. Absolutely. What do you guys think happened? I I think they didn't make it. I, I genuinely think they just died, to be completely honest. And because they had no way of getting getting away and on top of that, they blew up their whole facility, so all their food's gone. 
and it's it's fucking below a hundred degrees. Right. And like 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 I said, the only thing keeping them warm was the fire from the explosion. So like, no, I don't I don't think they made it at all. I think they definitely died. Um, and I honestly think that that's one of the reasons why we haven't really gotten a sequel because it's just how do you truly go from there? I mean, you, I guess, yes, bring more rescue members on the team and you just do the same thing all over again and be like, Oh, what the fuck happened here? And then sure. Take it back with you to wherever the fuck you came from. Sure. But, um, but to me, that's not a good story like that. Like this story just ends so perfectly with us not understanding as an audience of like, I wonder if they made it or not. And genuinely, like I said, I don't think they made it. I think they 100% died in that moment. But that's just me. Do you think one of I them think were the same infected? thing? So initially, yes. I had uh, thought that Childs was infected and playing it smart. Because, or actually, no, I thought Mac was also infected the entire time because of the whole, his clothes being ripped up. But in oh, earlier, sure. he had mentioned, like, do you think it was just placed there to make it look like I did? And when he said that, I was like, huh, nah, probably not. But man, yeah, I don't know. Because I initially thought at the end of the movie when I was watching it myself, Childs was infected and playing smart. And then as some time went on, I was and we were getting into the show. I was like, no, I think they were both good, and they, like Prince said, died off because they were yeah. like, you know what, our livelihood. Not even it's not even like we have the choice, but like we're better off both dying just to be safe for humanity's sake. Yeah. But yeah. and I like I like how they didn't even trust each other still. At the exactly. End. Like, well, if there's any more surprises, I mean, yeah, and you can't blame it. them. Like, yeah, it's just this is nothing to do about it. Like, right. <laughs> but now yeah. I'm thinking after this conversation that we've had that I think Mac was infected and could almost be the host because if he is infected and really played it up to. Um, you know, be the one that's trying to destroy the thing and keep it away and destroying any way of it escaping is a very interesting thought process because if I remember correctly, Mac's blood didn't get tested. Am I right? Oh, he did. Yeah. No, oh, he tested his own blood. Damn. Yeah. Okay, never mind then. Well, yeah, damn. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I ultimately I think they both didn't make it and they died. Right. What do you think happened yeah. to Knowles? Because we don't see him die, essentially. That's what I'm saying. Because oh, when damn. you first initially asked it, do you think anyone is infected? And I, was, I said, yes. I think Knowles. I think Knowles is just chilling somewhere waiting to go dormant again. That'd be good. That's fair. Because, I mean, this we don't know what this thing's initial purpose is. That's Sheesh, the thing. Man. And, and it's just like we don't know, like, okay, what is your goal? Like, what is right. the goal? Like, you're not trying to really eat anyone. You you don't really seem to really need food in general. Um, it just seems like you just you want to try to take up take over as many people as you possibly can. That seems like that's the only goal. Um, but it, it, honestly, the only goal is to survive. Like, I, I just think that's it. Like, the, it's and I think by itself, it can't survive without a host. And um. I just think that's the, that's just it in general. It's just trying to survive and and have as many copies of itself as it possibly can. But I I hey I don't know. But I I do think Noel was infected and is just chilling somewhere. Damn, and just going dormant. Yeah. I like that theory. What a movie! Yeah. 
What a fucking, fucking movie. love it. Love it. Well, guys, you know, I got some movie facts. Ooh. Movie facts? <laughs> Boom, shakalaka. Not too many, but I got a good couple. So John Carpenter yeah, throw them at us. has stated that out of all of his films, this is his personal favorite. Wow. Fuck. Oh, yeah. damn. I know. That's, that's big words to yeah. say. Well, I mean, he likes he likes Halloween. (laughs) True, but you can tell, like, because once it came to like Halloween three, that's when he was just like, "Well, fuck, I really want this to be something else. Like, I don't want a slasher icon." And that's why Halloween three, season of the witch, was no Michael Myers, and that's why it didn't do well. But hey, I actually love season of the witch. I think season of the witch is fantastic. But um. But yeah, I mean, it, it. this makes sense because I feel like this was his most challenging movie that he's ever made. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. It, it, you can tell he put a lot of time and effort into it. And we'll talk about more some fun facts about him in this movie. Yeah. Uh, this film's budget of $15 million was substantially larger than the average horror film at the time because Friday the 13th only had a mere 700K um, budget. And also Halloween only had $375,000 budget. Well, Damn. of course, this movie, fifteen million at that time, nineteen eighty two. Damn. Woo. Uh, in the DVD That's commentary, John Carpenter said that Wilfred Brimley was the only cast member that was not made squeamish by the autopsy scene, with real animal nice. organs being used. And that's there you go, David. That's why it was gross. <laughs> Damn, organs. gross. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. They did that a lot. They did Do that they? a lot in like uh, zombie films. Yeah, the eighties love their their uh, practical Realistic. organs. <laughs> yeah, that like they would like buy like pig intestines and all this other shit, and um, they would try to keep them in like uh, refrigerators because they're like, well, shit, we need to shoot this a lot, and instead of buying it multiple times, it would go rancid because it's just like, well, we're not eating this, and it's yeah. just literally sitting in a fridge until yeah. we need to use it again. So. Yeah, you get a lot of it in like a lot of Tom Savini movies and things like that. You get a lot of that those uh those kind of guts practical effects there. Um we got a little bit more. Sorry. More facts, I guess. More <laughs> <facts>. Movie facts. <laughs> uh some scenes were shot with stop motion animation, but John Carpenter rejected them because they looked too fake. Good move. Fair enough. Good move. For real. But it's kind of cool that they actually had like stop motion in it but i'm glad john carpenter was like no i have a aesthetic and look that i want the movie to feel and he took it that way yeah Yeah. there's a few there's a few uh movies that do that in the 80s with the stop motion stuff i'm I'm blanking out on one but it's like this little thing it's actually really gross it's not it's not actually it's really gross (laughs) but it's like this little thing that and i'm sure someone will hit me up on twitter and let me know what uh, what i'm thinking of because i blanking out so hardcore but it's like this this thing that doesn't really have legs or anything like that. It just has like hands and a face and it's, it's very odd looking, but it's all claymated. And in like, initially it's just wreaking havoc with this dude. And I, I got to find the name of this. Cause it is, but it is buck wild. That movie <laughs> is so, so wild, man. I don't remember it being good, but I just remember it being like completely off the wall. And I want to even say like, like the thing, like did some very questionable things to women. It, it was very odd. It was a very odd movie. Wow, 
<laughs> I got to remember the name of that. That that is just not. Uh, yeah, <laughs> claymation. Interesting. <laughs> Claymation's always fun. It is. Um. Next fact. This one's just more of like a fun fact. It's not really a good movie fact, but it took Kurt Russell around a year to grow the famous beard and hair McReady sports. Fair enough. Wow, wow, we will. Time, time to have that nice groomed. Uh, the <laughs> film was originally banned in Finland. Oh. All right. Interesting. I wonder why. Maybe too gruesome? I don't know. Uh, I got two mm, more for you guys. No, I've... Uh, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Because uh, initially, we're we're a very odd country because we, we sure. really censor sex. And I feel like other countries, they censor violence a lot. So yeah, it's interesting. Man. Yeah, I wonder what it was. But I uh, got two more fun facts for you guys. Movie facts. Uh, the final confrontation with the thing required the assistance of 50 technicians. Holy shit. Damn. That must have been such a hard thing to do for that day. <laughs> Trying to organize all of that and all of the movement. Yeah. Um, and this one is just more to like praise the movie itself. Uh, the last fun fact of the movie is Entertainment Weekly ranked this as the 12th scariest movie of all time. Wow. That's actually a really cool thing to be like to have a you part know? of yeah i mean yeah, out of all yeah. The that's quite the, the accolade yeah wow that's Man. awesome good for good for them but guys any final thoughts before i end the show Nah, man, this movie's fucking dope. Yeah, Love it's a it. fun ride. I'm <laughs> glad to say that I have finally seen it because i've known about it for so long but i never knew anything about it fair enough well Guys, please let us know how you guys feel about the movie on Twitter at GoodnightLife. That's night with a K. But this was Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I was one of your hosts, Freddie, also known as Nighty Night. And alongside me, we had Prince. My wife is having a baby. I'm not going to really be here anytime soon. Yay. <laughs> I mean, awesome. not yay that you're not going to be here, but yay, the baby. I know. I can't yay, wait the for baby. the baby. <laughs> Uh, also known as Head Knight. And then on the other side of the webs, we have David. Stay spoopy. Always staying spoopy. Also known as Knightly. Uh, our efforts to get our show is not enough. We need your help to spread out, uh, spread us out to more ghoulish nights. Reading us with five stars is very helpful, but we would love for you to recommend this podcast to someone who would enjoy it. You can further support the show over at patreon.com. Or sorry, patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife. And that's night with a what? K. Nice. Uh, by pledging on Patreon, you will have access to the show as early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry about it. There's going to be a new episode released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. And just to let you guys know, our next movie for next week is going to be one of my all-time favorites in my top three, Alien. Can't Aliens. I'm hey excited to finally watch this. Oh, I can't wait until you watch this. I'm so excited. So <laughs> tune in next week, guys. And always remember, everybody, don't forget your nightlight.